into the it is Tuesday, the 30th of March. Welcome to our afternoon sport deep dive. I'm Tim Gilbert. Shane Lee, how are you, my dear old thing? Look, I'm good, mate. I've had a haircut today, and I'll tell you what, i got my money. Oh, I got my you're money. not happy with the cut. <laughs> I got my You've m- been blowing up about the What's he done, I'm, this bloke? Mate, I tell you what, bloody shorn <laughs> me like a, like a lamb. <laughs> Nightmare. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> it's like, like putting the bowl on the head. Oh, he's going to wear a beanie for the next <sighs> week. S. Lee. Oh, all right. We, we got that chance to win, of course. Just follow us uh, after sport on Twitter or Facebook and we've got that Bulldogs ball, the Canterbury Bulldogs ball, Mighty Football Club and uh, that's all you need to do and you're in the running for it. Today we've got a huge show, Rob Gilbert, our editor at large, all things football and AFL and a real treat, Mark Gaznia, one of the modern greats of rugby league. Well, we thought we got through COVID, didn't we, Shane? And uh, these uh, moments in Queensland, they've gone into this three-day lockdown. And uh, from a sports perspective, it's turning it on its head again. It has, mate. And just leading up to school holidays, there's going to be a lot of really upset parents out there. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a turnaround. Um, Queensland had the rub of the green last year, particularly with the AFL and, and a lot of the rugby league. And it's uh, the AFL and the NRL have been quick to act here and um, kept teams both in Sydney and in Melbourne from Brisbane. It's going to be interesting to see what does go down over the next few days to see what does happen. But at this point, I know, speaking to a few uh, of the players or a few of the people in and around the Canterbury Club, they've had to go into some kind of bubble for a few days. Basketball's been mixed up. AFL's sort of been moved to Melbourne. So, look, there's some preliminary decisions that have been made, but we'll have to watch, wait and see as to what happens next. It's just extraordinary, just changing subjects onto horse racing on Saturday. And I will say this you because... the winner. I know. No, it doesn't happen often. It doesn't happen often. Remember where I said it. Stay inside. And I think Mardo even uh, had it up there near the front. Um, I think you might have even tipped it when he came on as well. But stay inside the Freeman stable. And the thing is, this young colt goes up in value by about 40 million bucks. That's the kind of coin Jeez. that a colt goes up in because of what it can do in the breeding barn going forward. Just extraordinary. Stay inside. The Friedman brothers, Richard and Michael, together have had two group ones over the past few weeks. They are the, the informed stable. So uh, well done who's, to all those the involved. Owner, Timmy? Who's the owner? Well, it's got several owners. It's, got, uh, okay. the, it's a syndicated horse. And that's one of the things about horse racing these days. You don't have to be a multi or a royalty to get involved. You can go in and get 2.5% or get into one of these micro ownership so you can have a lot of fun I've had a couple of race horses that have win, won in Sydney like not big races but boy oh boy you cannot beat the feeling it's just extraordinary yeah mate I've also had a couple of horses and it was cost me $400 a week in shoes I said what's this thing wearing bloody Julius Marlowe's it was a nice <laughs> <laughs> Julius Marlowe's yeah yeah there are there are the, there are those stories too there are those stories too but not when a horse wins the golden slipper alright we better get into it coming up on afternoon sport well I, I think he's just one of the greats of the modern game game. Mark Gaznia, or talk of rugby league. Well, rugby league, it's the greatest game of all, and uh, we have got an absolute superstar of the game, of course, the mighty, mighty dragon himself, Mark Gaznia. How are you? G'day, Timmy. Hey, Shana. How are you, boys? G'day, mate. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Well, let's kick off, mate. So, on the weekend, we saw... 21 injuries, eight of which were um, HIAs, mate. So big injury toll on the weekend, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It kind of uh, highlighted a thing that, you know, a lot of us kind of harped on about 
you know, a good four or five years ago, and that mm. is, you know, the need for, you know, I reckon almost a full bench. You should almost have to pick 21 players. You know, you nominate your 17 to play, four sit in a box, um, and they're almost the like-for-like situation. Now, everyone, always people are going to try to exploit the rules and they'll say that, you know, they'll have a person go down and then they bring a, you know, you might have a, a bigger style hooker that um, goes down than your little electric person in the box and he's the substitute and they wrought the system. But um, there's many ways to change that, whether it be an independent document, do the assessment. But you can't have what you had on the weekend where um, the guys on the field suffer to the detriment and, and, and probably put their welfare at risk because the other poor blokes have had head knocks and can't continue the game. So I think something needs to be done. Oh, that's the thing, Gaz, isn't it? Because, okay, it's, it's enough. Some injuries are unavoidable. It's a uh, contact sport. But I can see no reason why they can't follow a template like you just suggested then. And I know the discussion that's gone on for a number of years. Nearly every other sport does it. And look, if every team is doing it, it means that, well, well what's the problem? Well, it's funny. I, I mean, you know, in the past, we'd say that they'd need a report for a report for a report. But <laughs> I think Peter Volandis has definitely um, shaken that probably stigma a little bit. Um, I think he's been quick to act on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I do know that they trial it in the juniors, I think, Timmy. I think they do do it in the SG mm-hmm. ball and things like that. So maybe they do have something in mind of bringing it in. But it was highlighted, you know, I, I know, geez. After even only a few years after I started working at Fox, when we, when we brought the interchange rule down, um, and then you know the, the whole CTE thing became a bit more prominent, and there was a lot more uh, focus on head knocks. It was a big problem. It really was. So, um, you know, hopefully Peter and his staff have got it on the right track there, and they'll implement something. You would hope in the next kind of. Uh, I can't see him getting anything in this season, but you would hope for next season. Mark, do you think, was it just a bad weekend for injuries or do you think the players are just getting so much bigger and faster and stronger? Mate, it, it, it's a little bit of everything. So with the with the game a little bit quicker, a bit more fatigue um, sets in uh, and then you kind of get yourself in a bit more vulnerable positions because you're quite lethargic in certain periods. Um, you have got the other thing, like you just said, everyone's trying to get bigger, faster, stronger. You know, that's mm. what pre-seasons are all about. Um, there's always a lot of testosterone flying around the first three or four rounds as well um, <laughs> when people are fresh and they're not carrying, you know, 100 little niggles. So that will settle down a little bit and then you start to get more of the soft tissue injuries and things like that. But it's happened too often not to address mm. the situation and that is, you know, teams getting found out when they have three or four head knocks, um, they find themselves, you know, I mean, the, the Raiders were, what, 22 points up, I think. Um, yeah. You know, and, and basically just purely ran out of gas. You know, they're on the back foot. To the Warriors, yeah. they executed it, but it was it was a, a big part of it was those head knocks. Yeah, and the Sharks had no one on the bench for the second half. It, it happened all across the weekend. Now, now, what about the Dragons? What about the mighty, mighty Dragons? I've always been a big, and I'll put my hand up, I've always been a big fan of Anthony Griffin. I, you know, look, when he when he left Brisbane, it was because Bennett came back. There was obviously a bit of a personality problem at Penrith. But he, he really has done something. It's early days, but two wins from three. And they're, they're, a lot of the players that have been there a while are playing differently under his stewardship. Mate, Hook does one thing consistently to me, and that's he gets effort out of his players. You know, mm-hmm. a, a lot of people ask me how the Dragons were going to go under Hook, and um, to be honest, I, I I didn't think we had the cattle, and that's no disrespect to the current team. But I said one thing he will do is that he'll bring discipline and he'll make them compete, um, and and that's what he does. And I think it's probably more of a reflection of his personality as well. 
He gets blokes trying for him. All he wants is effort and he wants them to be disciplined in the way they go about things. Uh, I think Ben Hunt has probably been the biggest benefactor of Hook. Someone just showing him a little bit of love, a bit like Wayne Bennett did with Jamie Soward. You know, and it just, it it takes their confidence and a belief in them. It's amazing what that can do to a player's performance. Um, They have had, I won't get too excited to me, they have had probably the better side of the draw Mm. uh, over the first three rounds. But still, um, you know, I was a bit worried there after round one. And, um, you know, I I thought last week was their best week against the Eagles, you know, 38 points. I I, I worried how they were going to score points this year. But so still probably scoring a few too many points off kicks. But the main thing is they're getting a couple of wins while the new coach is there because, as I said, confidence is a big thing. Massive thing, mate. And I, I think, too, it's going to be a funny season, this one. I'm, I'm not a punter by any sense of the imagination. But look at the next <laughs> Is that sarcasm? No, no, it wasn't, actually. I'm not, I'm not a big punter. But 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 Manly, Manly versus Penrith, like Manly $7.50, Penrith $1.08. You've got Bulldogs at $8 versus the Rabbitohs at $1.07. Two horse races here. And Broncos $8 versus the Storm $1.07. Like, is it? Two horse race is big difference in in the in the caliber of teams from the say the top four to the to the bottom half. There is Shana, and that was um, again. You know, a lot of people said uh, the rule changes and um, how much better it'll be, and this, that, and the other. And while it is in principle, one thing it does mask. And again, I hate to be a doomsday, but it just shows um, probably a neglect of the grassroots system over the yeah. ten to twelve years, and and it shows the the lack in depth of talent. See, before we used to be able to fill. Oh, probably twenty teams, you know, back in the old Winfield Cup days, and and you had so many, so much talent to pick from. Whereas, uh, you know, me personally, I think we've neglected since the commission's implementation. I thought we really neglected grassroots footy, and I think it's really starting to show now. So, when you get that bit of open football and the opportunity, um, you know, the the wrestle, what the wrestle did was it, it kind of masked the fact that everyone was equal where yeah. they weren't, you know, and we're yeah. turning, we're trying to turn athletes into footballers. And now that we've pulled them apart and opened it up a little bit, I think we're getting ex- um, exposed a little bit there. Yeah. And, and that's right across the board. And it's great to see some of the initiatives now that country rugby league has come under the banner of new South Wales rugby league. So I think there's a lot of positives. There's some green shoots happening in the game and they need, need to be built upon, don't they at every level. So that next generation of players come through and there is depth right across the board. Um, look, of those three games, I don't know what uh, Gaz thinks, but I think your best money is probably to have a couple of dollars on Brisbane. I think the other two, are, the, the, the odds are correct, but Brisbane actually didn't do too bad last week. <laughs> have you had a look at Brisbane's record against the Storm, Timmy? It's not strong. It's not strong, <laughs> but I just I just can't see those other two getting anywhere near them. I, I think going back to my Fox days, I think they've won one of their last 18 against the Melbourne well, Storm or something like that. Um you know, Melbourne Storm just plays so straight and direct and the Broncos are notorious for their sliding defence and they just pulled them apart. But, um, you know, they had, the, they had the wobbles the first two rounds of Broncos and uh, I guess um, probably not the best opposition, respectfully, to the Dogs on the weekend. But um, you, you think they'd be up for it. Kevy seems to have them up for it at the start. They just seem to falter in key moments. Always love hearing your words, love watching you play, Mark Gaznia. Thanks so much for coming on. My pleasure. Thanks for having us, boys. All things AFL and the world game on the way with our editor-at-large, Rob Gilbert. PlaySport is calling Game On for a new way to play, a free platform to explore and be inspired to connect to thousands of sport, rec and well-being activities in your community. Just go to PlaySport.com. PlaySport, whatever moves you.
It's time to talk to Rob Gilbert. I'll tell you what, he was a scallywag when he was growing up, but he straightened things out. He's even got a sharp haircut. You can't see that, but we can tell you he's looking sharp. How are you, Rob? Hello, Timothy. Um, are we going to be revealing um, our behaviour of junior days whilst we're here? Um, if, uh, no, 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 that. I'm happy to. Nah. Shane, what do you reckon? Well, all I know is, mate, you had a sharp haircut, but I'll tell you who else was sharp on the weekend was Buddy Franklin. How good was he? I was. Um, the uh, AFL, the, the whole round of football was quite mm-hmm. amazing. It uh, was one of the highlights, really, to see Buddy back after 500-plus days. Uh, wasn't he looking fit? Yeah. Um, and all those young swans at the SCG. I mean, after the last couple of years, you would expect a gradual rebuild, but the way that uh, that they've bounced back to, to start the season 2-0 and is uh, it's just such a positive thing, and the swans... Uh, just a key team for the entire AFL, uh, particularly with the uh, the GWS Giants wobbling a little bit since mm. their uh, failed attempt at the grand final a couple of years ago. So, yeah, great to see Buddy back up and about. What about the shit fighter cut in your park, Robert? That was ridiculous. It really was. <laughs> where, where you start? So, so we're talking about the Friday night game. Collingwood had beaten Carlton on the Thursday night. Mm. So, uh, so it starts off with um, with uh, Brisbane heading down to Cadinia Park. It's a, a replay of the preliminary final where Geelong knocked off Brisbane and um, spoiled the party up there in uh, Queensland for what was meant to be uh, Brisbane's uh, first and last grand final. So, before the match, uh, we hear about the positive COVID test in Brisbane. So, an announcement is made that. Uh, that anyone who had travelled from Brisbane had to leave. So you're seeing a parade of people who had travelled down specifically for the game leaving. Also Luke Hodge and Wayne Carey, who'd been up for a sportsman's night. But mm. uh, then as the as the game went on, uh, a couple of incidents uh, that were uh, and have been highlighted all weekend were, first of all, uh, in the um, in the early stages of the match, uh, Gary Rowan, former Sydney Swan Gary Rowan, he's mm. come across uh, uh, Lockie Neal with the, the roundhouse, the right arm, oh, yeah. just below the chin and just got him a beauty. Now, what fired up uh, Chris Scott and the, uh, the, the, the home side was that the um, – recipient of that clip, Lockie Neal, puts up three fingers, as in three weeks, which is the same three-week suspension that Patrick Dangerfield had gotten mm. the week before. So it all blows up at uh, at half time or quarter time, I should say. And uh, Chris Scott, uh, he starts to motion himself towards the the Brisbane fans and a uh, Brisbane team, and uh, he's he's dragged back by his own uh, team, uh, Cam, Cam Guthrie and his skipper, Joel Selwood. So it was just absurd. And then, uh, obviously, the way that it blew up in the end uh, uh, with uh, Shocking umpiring decision when uh, Mark Blitzarves uh, he spoils uh, the uh, uh, the line uh, forward to Zach Bailey, he, who should have been given a free kick with ten seconds to go to win the match, and the umpire misses it. So uh, yeah, just a well, Tim, you used the term. It was a shit fight all round. Oh yeah, and then the COVID implications of that match were just absurd. You know, like you mentioned at the start, and uh, they've, they've, we look, we've, we spoke a little bit earlier on in afternoon sport about that, but just just amazing. Uh, Rob, what about uh, what about the women's soccer? Isn't Sam Kerr just out of the bag? Yeah, well, there were so many great stories in uh, women's soccer around uh, Europe where you've not only got um, Sam Kerr doing brilliant things, but uh, you've got Hayley Rasso scoring a hat-trick for Everton, uh, Ellie Carpenter doing amazing things at Olympic Lyonnais, the most successful women's team in international football. So what we've got set up here is, and, and this is all in the frame of uh, of the Matildas um, and their journey towards the, the Home World Cup, which we're, of course, hosting in 
just two years' time with New Zealand. So, you know, this is one of those events where normally with an Olympics or a World Cup, you've got such a big lead time, five, six, seven years, but this is only two years away. So uh, we've got four of our women in the in the top 23 goal scorers in the Women's Super League in, wow. in England. So there's Sam Kerr, Caitlin Ford, there's uh, Emily Van Egmond, and uh, I've already mentioned Hayley Rasso. But uh, the situation with Sam is that she's in um, uh, the contention to not only win the premiership with Chelsea, who were on top of the ladder, a couple of points clear of Manchester City, but also in the quarterfinals of the Women's Champions League. And only one English side has ever won the uh, Women's Champions League in the 20 years of its history. So so these are just amazing stories for uh, for, for women's football. And uh, um, as the, the W League comes to a crescendo at home, uh, it's uh, a nice little dovetail. Yeah, and the girls have got a, um, a two-match European tour, don't they, leading up to... Well, hopefully the, the Olympic Games. So they take on, is it the Germans first, then the Dutch? That's right. So the second and fifth ranked teams in the world. So the uh, Matildas ranked uh, ninth in the world. And uh, they've uh, got these two matches as the last two matches before the uh, Olympic draw is mm. made. So Tony Gustafsson is the is the new coach. He takes over from Mante Milicic, who'd helmed the Matildas to the last World Cup in France after the, the fiasco of Alan Stajic's uh, sacking. So Tony Gustafsson, he is, uh, got a, an incredible pedigree in women's uh, football. He was the assistant coach uh, to Jill Ellis uh, of the all-conquering uh, United States women's football team for many, many years. A lot of good judges thought that Jill Ellis uh, had been approached and she certainly uh, would have been a, a great contender, but um, family reasons prevented her from uh, going on with those conversations. But the next man in line, Tony Gustafsson, was her right-hand man, literally, when they were winning World Cups, Olympic gold medals, all sorts of things. So this will be his first opportunity to get a run out and as it turns out, obviously, because of uh, the inability to travel um, freely, the uh, entire squad that are playing in those two matches is mm. made up of European players. All right, Robbie. Let's do this all again next week, eh? All right, Timbo. See you, Shane. Have a good rest of the week, boys. Good on you, mate. Take care, mate. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss it. Big thank you today to Rob Gilbert and Mark Gaznia. And thank you, of course, Shane, to our sponsors. Yeah, our great sponsor, Spartan Sports. They've got a new website, mate. Go check it out, www.spartansportshq.com. Yeah, and we've got the signed Spartan Rugby League ball by the Bulldogs for one lucky person that is going to follow us on Facebook or Twitter. That is Afternoon Sport. Just look for us. Big thank you to the man himself, our producer, Dan McHugh. See you tomorrow. See you then, guys. Take care.